Alright, if you want to take your Bibles this morning, go to the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel. Pretty much all of our reading today is going to be in the book of Daniel today, so just keep your place there. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. We're not going to take time. We're not going to go and read straight through this whole chapter, but we're going to go through the whole chapter today. And pretty much what I want to do today is I kind of want to I want to tell you a story from the Bible. I'm going to tell I want to tell a Bible story. And you might have heard this one before, but if you've heard this story before, I want you to pretend that you don't know it. I want you to pretend that you've never heard it before because there's a there's a point I want to get across to you today, and it actually would probably help if you didn't know the story. But if you do know it. Forget the note for a while as we go through the story. But before we go and we start reading, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for an opportunity, another opportunity to preach Your Word. And dear Lord, I pray that You will help me as I try to get a message across, Lord, that's so important, Lord. And I pray that it will be a help and a blessing and encouragement to Him. In Your name we pray. Amen. So Daniel chapter 3, let's read verse. we'll start reading in verse 1. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, he was a very powerful king at that time. During this time, Babylon, they were the world power. They kind of had control. They had conquered the world. And Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king over all that. He was a very, very powerful man. And that power, it went to his head a little bit. We know he had a problem with pride. There's a story later in the Bible where he just got to looking at everything and he got so impressed with himself that the Lord went and He humbled him by basically turning him into a beast. He didn't. He actually... Walked around on. He was walking around on his hands and knees, and he was eating grass like an ox. And for several years, he was like that. And that was God humbling him. But he was very powerful. But this was before that, and he got so impressed with himself. He said, "You know what? I'm going to build an image of myself. I'm going to make a giant statue of myself, and I'm going to make it a law that everybody has to bow down and worship the image of me." That's a lot of pride right there. Somebody who builds a, makes a statue of themselves and makes people worship it. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, and the judges, and the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the princes, governors, captains, and judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. He goes and he gets this big thing. He calls everybody together. This was mandatory. It would be like if the president today, he went and he got all the senators and congressmen and all of his, his staff and all the secretaries of different things and all the military leaders and he gets them all together and then they make this proclamation. They're telling everybody, this is the new law. 
It wasn't like in a country like we have today where they have to pass Congress or where people have to vote on it. Nebuchadnezzar decided that that's what he wanted to do and that's exactly what he did. And so they, he said, when you hear the music, everybody bow down and worship the image of Myself. And it says, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Now that's pretty scary right there. Let me tell you, we've got some laws in this country that scare me. I, I'm very careful when I'm in a construction zone. You get fined big time if you are speeding in a construction zone. I don't want to get a ticket for that. I'm scared. I, I get nervous. I saw a sign that said, you know, hit a worker, $10,000 fine or uh, so much time in jail. That scares me. I don't want to hit anybody. Okay? Especially a construction worker. You get in a lot of trouble. And uh, I'm, that law, that law scares me because, and you know, and those, I'm not saying those are bad laws. Well, we, those are probably good laws, but the consequences are what scare me. You know, most people today, or a lot of people today, the only thing that's stopping them from going out and killing somebody they don't like or stealing something is they're scared of the consequences because some of them are scary. Prison is scary, but you know what? We live in a country today where you know. A lot of the consequences aren't that bad. I had a detention home ministry that we that I did. It was in Ottawa, Illinois, and every Monday I'd go and I'd uh, witness to kids who were in uh, kids who were in jail, teenagers, young people, and the jail they were in wasn't that bad. I remember thinking, you know, I remember thinking, man, this is, this isn't that bad here. You know, I was when I was a kid, I always thought, you know, I remember we I, I knew about the detention home, and I always just pictured it being. You know, like the old prisons of the movies, you know, where they had them out there breaking rocks and stuff, and you know, and I mean, I was scared of it. But it's, you know, it's not that bad. A lot of our prisons today, they're not that bad. Some are. But this, uh, a lot of the country doesn't have the death penalty anymore. And even when they do have the death penalty, it's usually lethal injection, which isn't that bad. But how about if they made a law, and if you break this one, you get burnt to death. They throw you into a fiery furnace. That was the law that was made. That's a scary law. And that's, that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He was serious about this. He wasn't messing around. He was serious. So in verse 7 it says, Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery... I'm going to skip all those instruments. It's hard to say them all. But all the people of nations and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. What a sad time that was that when they made that law that there doesn't seem like there's any problem with it. The people just went, they went right along with it. They went ahead and they all, they all bowed down. There doesn't seem to be a problem. You would think a law like that, can you imagine in this country? It shows you the time they're living in. Can you imagine in this country if they made a law like that? Do you think that would go over very well? No. Nobody's going to listen. I mean, some people would. But I think most people wouldn't. But that's the time they were in. And a lot of it, though, was because the government at that time was that powerful. They could throw you into a fiery furnace if you didn't listen to them. So at that time, and then verse 8 says, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. And they spake and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear all the instruments shall fall down and worship the golden image. Verse 11, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. 
There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. These guys come along and they... Obviously, you can tell I don't think they like these guys very much. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you, if you look back in chapter 1 of Daniel, you'll see that these men were, they were Jewish, they were Jewish men. They belonged in Israel, but Israel had gotten taken captive during that time. And they went and they took the best, they took the, the best, the smartest of them, and they, they used them for their benefit. And that's what these guys were. They were very, they were very well educated. They were smart. They were well favored. It says children in whom was no blemish. I mean, they were the best of what Israel had at that time. But these guys, not only were they good and all that other stuff, these men loved God. These men, they were, they, they worshiped the true God. These men, they believed in the Ten Commandments. And one of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness. So thou shalt not bow thyself down to them. They had a very specific command. And these men love God. And when the king comes along and he says, you have to bow down to this idol, they didn't do it. They went and they were assembled with everybody else. But while everybody else was there compromising, while they were going along and they are bowing down to that idol, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't do it. They said, we're not going to do that. We're going to do the right thing. Everybody was doing it except them. I mean, that's sad. They were the only three people that weren't doing it. And so they go on, and then uh, Nebuchadnezzar in verse 14, we're not going to take time to read through the whole thing, but he questions them on it. Because Nebuchadnezzar liked these guys. And he asked me, he says, Is it true you don't serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? And he gives them another chance. He says, I'm going to give you another chance. So the next time you hear that music, you need to bow down. You're gonna bow down. You better bow down. And it says, if you don't, he said, you should be cast the same hour in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And then he says, and who is that God? In bottom of verse 15, who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? He's basically he's telling them, you better. I'm gonna give you another chance, but you better do this. And when he's saying, who is thy God? He's basically telling them. I think, and I think probably in his mind, he's thinking, "Who's your God to stop me? I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace, and your God's not going to be a help to you." Nebuchadnezzar, he was so full of himself, he was so lifted up with pride because of all his power that he had. It was an insult to him that somebody else would think that would obey. That they would obey God over him. That's the kind of pride that he had. But listen to what they said in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. They're being respectful to him. They're not, they're not being mouthed with him. They're, so we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. And listen, it says, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of thy hand, O King. It's a pretty bold statement there. He says, "If our God." So notice, he, they don't know. Okay, remember, we don't. All right, we don't know the story. These guys, they don't know for sure what's going to happen. They don't know 
if God is going to save them from the fiery furnace. But they did say, He will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. Now, that could have meant, I think, more than just them getting through the fiery furnace. What would have happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if the king would have burned them? Well, they would have been with God. They would have went to paradise. That's deliverance. They would have been a whole lot better off. They no longer would have been captives and slaves to this man. They would have been delivered. But but listen to what he says uh, in verse 18. He says, but if not. said it, we don't. They didn't know. This might not happen. We might get burnt in that fiery furnace. But he said, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So we're not, he said, we're not going to do it. He's being respectful to him, but they, they tell him, says, our God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to worship. You know, a lot of times people will make deals and they'll say, I'll do this if God does that. I'll, I'll serve God if God does this part. I'll do my part if God, if God does his. If God, do, or if God does things this way. You know, let me tell you, we we don't always know how God's going to want to do things. We don't know what God is going to uh, what God is going to try to accomplish in our lives and how He's going to do it. In fact, most of the time, it's probably going to be in ways that we don't expect. But these guys, they knew what was right. They knew they should not bow to that, down to that idol, and they said, "Our God, He He can deliver us. He's got the power." But even if He doesn't, we're not going to deliver. You know, we need people that are willing to say that. Say, you know what? I know that my God is able to do whatever. But if he, even if He doesn't, I'm still going to be faithful. I'm still going to serve Him. I know God can heal me of this sickness, but if He, if he doesn't, I'm still going to love Him. I'm still going to trust Him. I'm still going to do what He says to do. And it says in verse 19, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Before, I think, I believe he was looking at him with a look of concern, because he loved these guys, he appreciated these guys, they were a big help to him. But boy, when they said that, it, his face changed. Now he had a look of anger at them. And he was mad. And he said, He spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. It says he, he was so mad. It wasn't enough just to burn them to death. He wanted it to be even hotter. And he goes and he, they heat that furnace up. He gets his strongest men and just to make sure, because I don't know, maybe Nebuchadnezzar was a little nervous about maybe whether God was going to deliver them or not. So Nebuchadnezzar goes and he gets his strongest men he goes and they bind him. They tie him up. And they're, they're making sure they've got all their bases covered so these guys don't get away because maybe he was a little nervous about their God. And so he's kind of covering all his bases. And then it says, uh, then verse 21, "...then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace." Now remember, we're pretending we don't. You've never heard this story before. Do you realize what just happened there? These guys have done everything God wanted them to do. They had done right. They took a stand for God. And they still got thrown into the furnace. They did everything right. And they, God still let them get thrown into the furnace. Those men, these good Hebrew children, 
They worshiped God like they were supposed to. They didn't bow down to the false idol. And the God still let them get thrown into the fiery furnace. How could God do that? Why would God do that? You know, there's been many times in my life where there's been situations that I saw. Nothing to this extreme, but I was like, Lord, I, I don't want to have to deal with that. Lord, I don't want to go through that. And I prayed that God would deliver me from that, and He didn't. I ended up having to go through that. You've probably experienced that before. Maybe somebody you cared about. Maybe somebody that you loved. And you, you prayed, Lord, deliver them. Deliver me. And it didn't happen. The thing that you wanted to avoid, it happened to you. And you did everything right. It wasn't because of some sin. You were obedient to God, but He allowed you to be, in a sense, be cast into that fiery furnace. The thing that you didn't want. Listen, all of us, we have fears that we have. Probably too, probably too many. Things that we get concerned about. Things we worry. Maybe, maybe you're worried you're going to lose your job. And you're praying, Lord, please don't let me lose my job. And you're being faithful to God in every area that you possibly can be, but you still lose the job. The thing that you wanted, it didn't happen. I remember, uh, there's been many times in my life, there's been things that I wanted. There's been, I, there was a job I wanted one time. I pray, Lord, I need that job. Lord, I want that. Lord, God, please. Lord, give me that job. And He didn't give it to me. My prayer didn't get answered. And a lot of times we get in those situations and or we'll see it happen to other people. And a lot of times people, they get their, that's a, then they get their eyes off God. And they, they despair and they turn from God. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they've I, no doubt, I have no doubt in my mind that before all this happened, those guys prayed, Lord, please deliver us from that furnace. Do you think those guys wanted to go in there? No way. I would, I'd hate to be burnt to death. That is not the way I'd want to go. But these guys were willing to do that, but I guarantee you they didn't want, they didn't want to be burned to death. But they knew that that was better than going against what the king says. Remember, they didn't know what was going to happen. But, they got cast in the fiery furnace anyway. But look what happens. It says, Then these three men, Meshach and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and he rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? He can see him. He can look. He's looking down in there, and he's like, "I thought we cast three in." And he says, "They answered and said to the king, true, O king, it was three. He answered and said, "Lo, I see four men, loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt." Boy, that's. Can you imagine seeing somebody just walking around in the fire? And he's looking and he's thinking, what? Is going on. These guys were tied up. Something happened while they were in the fire. Those things that were had them tied up and bound, those things got burned off. But they're now they're fine. They're walking around. They're with a fourth person. Who's this fourth man that's in there? And it says the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now why do you say that? Because of what? Why did it look like the Son of God? You know what? I believe it was the Son of God. I believe this was uh, an incarnation of Jesus. He was there. He was with them. It was God. He was with them in that fiery furnace. 
God, God was with them. He was there. And let me tell you, whatever it is that you're, you fear the most, the things that you're the most frightened about going into, the things that you pray about, many times you end up in those situations you find out that is where God's at. And that God is going to be there with you. And God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And boy, I don't know, we don't know what all took place in that furnace. But boy, can you imagine when those guys fall down in there? And I can imagine they're cringing as they're going in. They go in and they fall down and Nothing's hurting. They open their eyes and all of a sudden they realize the ropes and things that were tying them are burnt off of them and they're like, what's going on? We're we're loose. We're not burning. And then all of a sudden they look and they see that somebody's there with them. And they knew who it was. It was the God that they'd been serving. It was the God that they chose to worship. He was there with them. And boy, I can't even imagine what a wonderful time that must have been. Walking in the fire with the Son of God. What an amazing thing that must have been that day while they're in the furnace. They're, and they're there, and I, I don't know what they did. I imagine they probably did some singing. I imagine they probably were praising God. And it says uh, in verse 26, uh, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. They come walking out. And the princes and the governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed on them. This fire didn't do a thing. It, they, I, was, I was just on Friday night, I was at a bonfire. And I, was, I never got in the fire, but I was around it. Guess what I smelled like when I got home? I smelled like smoke. These guys were in it, and the smell hadn't even passed on them. Not even the smell. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar said there is no other God like this. Let me tell you, Nebuchadnezzar finally got something right. There is no other God that can do anything like that. There is no other God that will be with you in a fiery furnace like that. None of you in here today have ever been in an actual fiery furnace. But I'm sure that all of you in here today, you've been through some fiery trials in your life. There's been some difficulties that you've gone through. And if you haven't, I can promise you that there will be some. We live in a world today where there is always going to be sickness and sorrow and crying and pain. Those things are always going to be there until the day that Jesus comes back. But I'm here to tell you today that you have the promise that during all of it, God is going to be there with you. Psalms 23, David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Jesus told His disciples, He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
Do you know if you're saved today, you can't get you can't you you couldn't get away from God if you wanted to. Now I know we can backslide and spiritually we can we can distance ourselves in a way where we aren't going to have the we can't have the fellowship like maybe we once had. But God's always going to know where you're at. He's always going to know what's going on, and he, and He'll always be there for you. He'll be there with you. You keep trusting Him. You keep doing right. He'll be there for you. And let me tell you, many people today, there's many testimonies I can give of people who during the darkest times in their lives, that was when they turned to Christ. That was when they finally saw Christ. That's when they got saved. They'll tell stories, but I've heard, I've heard many stories of people who they during the worst time, maybe it was when they went to jail or when they were in prison. That's when they found Christ. Some people is when the death of a loved one. I have an aunt who, when her son died, it was after that she got saved and when she started serving God. Sometimes those difficult times, that's when we can see God. That's when we see God clearly. That is when He can show Himself strong. And those are the times that make the difference in their life and make us who we are. Those are the things that make a lot of times make couples stronger. You know a lot of people. You know a lot of people. Marriages today, the reason they fall apart is they've never really been through anything. But boy, if you can weather those storms and you can get through those hard times, it'll make you stronger as a couple. Those those hard times. Those are the things that make things special. Those are what make great friendships. Sometimes when you go through a difficult battle together and somebody's there with you and they're uh, they're there for you, it makes a bond there. It makes you stronger. And God is always going to be there with you. There's going to be days when everybody else is going to turn against you, or you're going to. It's going to seem like you're by yourself, but I promise, if you look around, you'll find out God's there with you through the whole thing. But we got to be careful because sometimes we can get distracted by other things and we can miss Him. He'll be right there with us, but we're but we miss it. There's a story, some of you might know, we're not going to take time to read it, in Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus, He comes walking on the water. And you remember, Peter, he looked and he saw Jesus walking on the water and he said, Lord, if it be Thee, bid me come out to Thee. And He told him to come and Peter comes out, gets out of that boat and he starts walking on the water. The only man besides Jesus to ever walk on water. But what does the Bible say? He went and all of a sudden he started looking at the winds and the waves and the storm. He's looking at all these things around him that are scary. And he got his eyes off Christ and the Bible says and he began to sink. You know why? He got to looking at everything else. And then, and then as he begins to sink, he says, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand and he, he caught him. And they both walked back to the boat. While he was looking at Jesus, he was walking on the water. When he looked at everything else, he began to sink. When he looked back at Jesus, he got back up and walked on the water again. You know what? I wonder if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it, we, we see here that they didn't care so much about their own lives. They just wanted to be obedient to God. You know, if they would have been like, we are sometimes, they would have been like, oh, man, I was like, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to be burned. The Bible says they were children and who was no blemish. These were good looking guys. This is going to ruin our looks. It's going to, we're going to get blistered. We're going to get our skins. It's going to singe all our hair off. We're going to die. Our life is over. And they'd have been despairing. And as they look and they see the fire and they're thinking it's going to hurt, it's going to burn. And then they throw them inside there and they're looking and like, oh, the flames, we're going to burn to death. And they, I believe they would have personally. But that didn't happen. 
I don't know when they first saw Christ. I don't know when that happened. Maybe it was even before. When they, they saw Him in there. But I believe they, they kept their eyes on Him that whole time. Can you imagine being there with the Son of God? And many times, the reason that we, many times we miss God during those difficult times. When we go through the fiery trials, we get so focused on the trials that we forget about the God who's there with us, wanting to help us get through it, and wanting to make it what can be a life changing experience that makes us better than we ever were before, and makes us, makes us happier, and makes us uh, become people that can do things great for God. Uh, we miss it. We're so focused on the fact that God didn't answer our prayer. What would you have thought if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been in that fire at first said, Lord, we prayed that we wouldn't get thrown in here and you let us get thrown in here anyway. Like, hey, wait, what, what's wrong with these guys? They're still alive? You know, it's, it's amazing how many times I've heard people get up in church and they'll say, well, I'll be praying for this. I'm going to, you know, if this doesn't happen, it's the end of the world and my life is over and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, you know, and then the next week comes and none of those things have happened, but yet they're still complaining. They're not praising God because obviously He helped them get through it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. And many times though, we, we focus so much on all those things around us because things didn't happen the way we wanted to. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Lord, I appreciate You delivering us, but you know what? You could have done a little sooner. That was scary getting thrown in here. You know, that would have been pretty bad too. But that's what we do many times. We don't like, we don't like the way, God, the order that God did things in. But let me tell you, God has His own way of doing it. And it's probably going to be different than the way that we want Him to do it. And it's probably not going to be the way that we expect Him to do it. But we've got to make sure that no, no matter what, we keep our eyes on Him during that time. Learn the lesson from Peter's or learn from Peter's mistake. Keep your eyes on Christ, and if you keep your focus on Him during that time, boy, what a difference it'll make. We're going to, you're going to go through some hard times. I wish I could tell you, get saved today, and you'll never have another problem. But I'd be lying to you. I'd be lying to you. But I can tell you today, if you're saved. That no matter what you go through, He'll be there with you. And if you keep your focus on Him, He'll help you get through it. Before they were in the flames, remember, the flames are what we wanted to avoid. The flames before them are what we're praying that we won't have to go through. Before they were in the flames, they were bound. They were tied up. They were bound. While they were in the flames, they were free. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. When they came out, they were victorious. It says that it says in verse 30, they got promoted. When these guys came out of there, things were better than they ever were before. That horrible, horrible law was gone. And a new law was created that was much better. And you know what? There, sometimes God, He's, he's going to allow you to go through some horrible things. But He'll be there with you. But when you come out of it, when you come out of it, you'll come out victorious. And it'll help you do things for God like maybe you never thought you could do. But you know what? Sometimes we have to go, we have to go through the, that fire. We've got to go through those flames. And when we do, we can have that victory. And that's what we need today, folks. We're living in a, we're living in a world today where there's a lot of wickedness going on. There's a lot of sorrow. 
A lot of sorrow out there today. A lot of people hurting. Here in this town, there's a lot of people they are hurting. They're hurting today. That's why, that's why we have a drug problem today. People are hurting. They're going to it just to find a little bit of peace for just a moment. They'll spend large amounts of money for it. They'll even, I mean, it, it, it steals everything from them and yet they go for it. Why? They're just, they're looking for a little bit of peace. The truth is today, we know where the real peace comes from. It comes through Jesus Christ. We know where the real victory comes from. It's when we're obedient to His Word and we, we do what He says. He'll help us come through those things. And you know, sometimes we make the mistake, we read, we read these stories so fast. I mean, you literally can read the story in five minutes. But we, we don't think about the long process it was for them. And I, it might have only been a day, a couple of days, but I guarantee that was a long day for them. There's a lot of other stories about people who went through things. And when you read it, you read it in just a few minutes, but it, this was months for them. Sometimes years. But these people, though, they kept their eyes on Christ that whole time. They kept their faith. And we've got to do that. And let me t- and you're going to go through them. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. They're going to come. God will be there with you. You keep your eyes on Him. He'll reveal things to you. I guarantee you while they're in there with them, they learn some things about the Son of God that they didn't know before. When you go through those hard times, that's when you learn things about God that are just precious. Things that you can never get over. You can come out being a victorious Christian. So I hope this message has been a help to you today. So let's all stand at this time.